0: This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of Southern Fried Soccer. It's Sunday. I'm at Mercedes-Benz Stadium where Atlanta United drew with NYCFC 2-2. As always, I'm joined by Jason Longshore of 92.9 and SoccerDownHere.com. Jason, how you doing?
1: I'm tired after that one. That was a that was a fun match. Um, I feel like it's one of those that both teams can feel like they should have had three points. But the draw was probably the fair result in the night.
0: Yeah, that's what most of the players said in the locker room, too. They thought it was a good game. They thought it was probably a fair result. A um, little housekeeping. Uh, Greg Garza opened the scoring in the 29th minute with his first goal of the season. A tap-in off a shot that Sean Johnson probably wishes he would have done a little bit better with from Miguel Amaron. Uh, Johnson kind of spilled it right into Garza's path. It wasn't a particularly hard shot. Um but he didn't really pair it away very well. Uh, New York City answered. Uh, David Villa was inserted into the game following an injury to DeGiori Shirati. Uh, Villa, very smartly on a counterattack, kind of got Atlanta United's defense going the wrong way and then took advantage with a back pass. Um to, I believe, it was, was Medina or Morales. I think
1: it was Medina out wide, and then he found Burgett in the box. Right. Who
0: And then Parkhurst, Parkhurst saw him coming. He was trying to make up ground, saw him coming, wasn't sure if he was going to shoot or cross, so Parkhurst decided to slide, and Burgett cut inside. And Parkhurst ended up getting him with his trailing leg. Yeah. Penalty, David Villa. It wasn't a good penalty by David Villa. Guzan got to uh, the right side, his right, got a hand on it, but it went in. For the tying goal, Atlanta United answered uh, with Chris McCann's first goal for the five stripes, uh, Miguel Almirón with the assist. It was uh, just a simple little cross uh, from the left to the right. McCann saw everyone kind of moving into the six-yard bot, so he hung back just a little bit, and that's where the ball ended up. Great buildup to that, though, yeah'
1: or VH – you know, cleared it at the top of the box, and Parkhurst kept it in play. Picked out Kratz, who had a nice little flick out mm-hmm. wide to Al Maroon, who had to cross.
0: And McCann joked, I, I kept my eyes open and <laughs> headed it into the ground.
1: Yeah, we asked him about it. On, he was he joined us on the full-time report ninety two nine, and we asked him about the goal, and he's like, really? I don't remember much about
0: yeah, it. Yeah, that's what he told <laughs> us, too.
1: It fell to Al Maroon and I was just getting ready for the cross.
0: It was a nice goal. He headed it down, Great. and... Good little celebration. Um, nice little bit of redemption for him, for those who still kind of criticize his performances game in and game out. Stop
1: doing that. He's been great.
0: Um, then the big one, another big moment in the game happened. Um, well, we need to go back to the first. <laughs> we'll, actually, we'll talk about that in a second. A the next big stuff. moment came when Ezekiel Barco made his long-awaited debut in the 69th minute. Came in, um, you know, didn't make a whole lot happen, but you could see sparks of what what the team expects to see.
1: Definite flashes.
0: Uh, going into possibly next week at Los Angeles. Uh, Barco said, you know, he seemed neither satisfied nor dissatisfied. He was more unhappy with the result, he said. Uh, his teammates thought he did perfectly fine. Martino thought he did perfectly fine. Um,
1: NYC respected him. You you could see how much they dropped off when Barco came into the match.
0: And then uh, New York City tied the game in the 73rd minute on a -a once-in-a-lifetime shot from Alexander Ring. It was probably 25 yards out, just a rocket. And to the upper left corner, I think it hit the crossbar and hit Guzan and went in, or maybe it just hit the crossbar and went in.
1: Crossbar and in, I think.
0: But nobody was stopping that thing. Um, And it was his first MLS goal. What a time to get it. What a shot to get it with. Unbelievable.
1: Such a player. Yeah, he
0: chased down Almirón in the first half, and you don't see that. No. But he chased him down and got him on a breakaway.
1: We we joke on soccer down here about the holding midfielders appreciation society, and Alexander Ring is definitely part of that. Uh, Him playing from the start tonight for NYCFC made them a much better team. Such an important part because he gives them balance. Mm -hmm. He lets everybody else go forward, and he just sits in front of the back four and cleans everything up. And when he gives you anything going forward, it's a bonus.
0: I need to say that if Almiron would simply use his right foot, none of that would have happened because he could have taken a shot, but instead he was trying to get his left foot around the ball and circle back for a shot, and that gave Ring the time to catch up. The one-footedness, in my opinion, is one of the big things that's going to hold him back because he's not Arjun Robin. He's not... um, the Diego
1: fullback.
0: Maradona He's not the fullback For Manchester Valencia
1: He's not Ryan Giggs
0: uh, No uh, He's got to At least show that right foot Every once in a while Keep people uh, Just a slightly bit honest Anyway I agree The Controversy in the game As Chris McCann put it VAR giveth And VAR taketh away And he's fully aware Of what it gives Because he was brought back Onto the field last week <laughs> Because of VAR Darlington Nagby Heck of a shot in the first half from probably 20 yards or so, maybe 22. About 20. Uh, just one time, a right-footed shot. Kind of stunned everyone. No one was expecting it. Into the lower left corner. Everyone thought it was a goal. Alan Chapman got the VAR little buzz in his ear. Went. I didn't even see him look at the replay, but almost immediately called it off for what was termed as not offside interference, but offside something or another. With Joseph Martinez, who was yards offside, and standing right in front of Sean Johnson. I don't think Sean Johnson was going to stop the shot. Gerardo Martino said three goalies wouldn't have stopped the shot. Um, But it was called back. Right. It is
1: the rules. It's the right call. It's the right call. It's a call that's frustrating, but it's the right call because he's in his line of sight. And you can't be in a position where it appears that you're impacting the play. If Martinez, in that situation... Because it was kind of a bang-bang play. I have to go back and watch the whole thing again. I haven't had a chance to look at it. But it was a sequence where you had a cross come in. It goes all the way to the far side to Gressel. Martinez had made the run initially, and NYCFC had stepped up at that point. That's where he was offside. Gressel, with one of those perfect cutback crosses, didn't just whip it into the six. He picks Nagby out at the top of the box. And it's a great shot from Nagby. If Martinez had continued... Just walking away from the goal towards the end line, the yeah. goal would have stood.
0: Or fallen down, something. Just get out of the sight line.
1: Yeah, he, he needed to get out of the, the, the goal frame. I think if he's anywhere near Sean Johnson, that goal getting called back. And I saw this this weekend multiple times, and I really wonder, we'll never get the answer, but I wonder from the professional referees organization, if there was a conscious effort to make decisions quicker this week. Because multiple times on the weekend in MLS, we saw referees get the buzz for VAR and not go to the video. Trust what they were hearing from the video assistant referee and go with it without looking. Chapman ended up walking over there at the end. I think it was more for placement and where to take the free kick from because he didn't, he'd already made the decision by that point. Mm-hmm. This is where I think this whole process of VAR still needs to be fine-tuned. I actually like the idea of the video assistant referee, honestly, being able to override and not be part of the conversation. I don't have any problem with that. Do what the NBA's and do what the NFL's moved to because they do the same thing.
0: The central booth.
1: It's a central booth, and they can override the referees on the field. It's not a conversation about, well, I saw this, and I saw this, and I saw this. That would be a smoother way to do it, but then another thing that needs to be included in it and just had the conversation with the guys over at 92.9 for the show after our full-time report, the communication has to be better once a decision is made. Because I don't think many people in the stadium truly understood the call. Right. And I don't think TV necessarily got the explanation either until much later. right? There has to be a way. We don't have the referees mic'd up like we do in the NFL, but there has to be something that is done in that case.
0: Yeah, I mean, you would think that someone could tell the PA announcer who could... Then
1: tell the crowd. Yeah, and I'd have to look to see what the but NBA does in that situation. Put it on the board, Just, I mean, board, on the board after the decision yeah. is made yeah. and say this is why the goal was overturned. Right. Something, because yeah. it is confusing.
0: Um, I thought Kevin Kratz starting 11 He's one of those players that he's never going to do anything flashy, but he's also not going to do anything that's going to make you go, oh, my God, Kevin Kratz, what were you doing?
1: Kratz was absolutely excellent today. Um, I, I I love when Kevin Kratz is on the field for this team. First half, 100% passing.
0: He's a fundamentally sound player.
1: And he can play anywhere in the central midfield. Yep, And he can even throw a little bit of flair in there for you mm-hmm. on the little back heel out to Almarone that created McCann's yep. goal. Kevin Kratz, it was something that we talked about this week. When you started looking at what this lineup could be without Vishalva, Kratz was the sub that made the most sense, and I think Kratz is the guy outside of the first-choice players that Tata Martino trusts the most.
0: Uh, Barco. Uh, anything? Any other thoughts on Barco's debut? Got 21 minutes, not counting stoppage time.
1: Let's look at, at the numbers. I don't know if we have the numbers for Ezekiel Barco. There we go. Um, One shot.
0: One I don't shot. I don't remember the shot. I don't remember the chance. Thirteen created, passes,
1: no. twenty three touches. He won a free kick. You know, it looked like a player who's not at a hundred percent yet. You know, he didn't have that explosiveness. If if you've watched Ezekiel Barco on his rise at Independiente, he has such a great first step and especially that little cut to the side. He's so good at that little shake and cut to the side to create space for a shot or a pass. Didn't quite have the, the power to push off with it seemed like. So You know, what was interesting to me was NYCFC, when he came on, totally respected what he brought to the match. And they started dropping deeper and deeper. And the last 10 minutes of the match, this is the stat of the year for me, NYCFC had 12 clearances in the final 10 minutes plus stoppage time. That's almost unheard of. They were so deep because of what Barco brought to the field, because of Al Maroon's threat at that point. Atlanta United owned the final ten minutes plus. They just could not find the goal to put them. in Well, the league. previous
0: ten minutes they didn't know. NYC the, the,
1: the second half. Yeah, yeah. it yeah. was a game of ebb and flow. Yeah, you know the first part of the game I think was really up for grabs. I think the the end of the first half and the first part of the second half was all NYC, and then that final fifteen minutes or so was all Atlanta United. Yes,
0: yeah.
1: it was two teams that play completely different styles. Neither one wanted to change the way they played, and they canceled each other out. And it sets up that next match at Yankee Stadium is going to be a lot of fun Mm -hmm. because there's a lot riding on it, and there's a a lot of edge to it now. You saw a lot of chippiness tonight. And I think if you see these two teams match up in the playoffs... You better clear your schedule for those matches because this was the best match in Major League Soccer this
0: year. Yeah, I think these are the two best teams in Major League Soccer right now.
1: Right now. Toronto will be in that conversation. I really think it's a, a 1A, 1B, 1C. Toronto's there by default because of what they're doing in CONCACAF and what they did last year. I don't think there's anybody else who can play with these three when they're on.
0: If Toronto keeps messing around, it's not going to get home-field advantage in the playoffs. Uh, they're they're going to the fall into the top, a, too. Yeah, the East is a little bit tougher. Uh, than I think people thought. New England's playing a lot better than people thought. Orlando City Orlando, has won yes. three consecutive. Not really impressive in any of them, but Building who up. knows. They're yep. getting
1: better every match.
0: Uh, Philadelphia has proven it can jump up and surprise you. D.C. United knocked off Columbus this weekend, uh, which is a little bit of a stunner.
1: The, the second tier of the Eastern Conference is pretty deep. You, know, you look at these top three, I think they are a class above. Toronto is going to have to make up some ground. If if NYC and Atlanta keep playing the way they are, that's your top two. Red Bulls. Red Bulls are another one, and that's another tricky one. So, I mean, you're looking at a very competitive Eastern Conference. When I look at the West, I think Atlanta, NYC, Toronto, possibly Red Bulls are better than anybody out West. Mm -hmm. And I think Orlando, when they get the full strength, can be in that conversation as well. I don't know who the number six team is in the East. I think it's still up for grabs. But nobody out West can play with the best teams in the East on their day right now.
0: Final question. Franco Escobar participated in training on Friday. Hector Viaba, Martino said probably could have played if this was a bigger game later in the season. Might we next week see at Los Angeles a fully functional, fully healthy, full strength Atlanta United lineup that includes – Martinez, Vijaba, Almiron, Barco, Nagby, Escobar, Gonzalez-Perez, Parker, Guzan, Garza.
1: There, there's two names that you left out uh, that I think are really hard to leave out right now. Yeah. You know which two names I'm thinking of? Lorenowitz and Gressel. No, I'm thinking of another one. Lorenowitz is in my lineup no matter what. I, I can't leave him out. Who did I leave out? Chris McCann
0: Oh, and, McCann. and Julian Gressel.
1: Yeah, what I would do, and this is completely off the cuff, this is at whatever time it is now after a long day, but if I'm looking at a four-two-three-one, I don't think Escobar is going to be quite ready yet. I'm not going to rush him back from a concussion. If you want to go four-two-three-one and you want to get most of your talented players on the field, I think you have to do a lineup with either Garza or McCann at left back, and you can toss a coin. I would go McCann, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Parkhurst and LGP is your center back. Gressel is your right back while Escobar's out. Then that just creates another discussion later. Lorenowitz and Nagby is your holding midfield. Al Marone is your number 10. Barco on the left. Bishalba on the right. Martinez up top. The reason I play McCann right now is it gives you a little bit of the best of both worlds. You, you kind of become a, a, a tilted team, which we've seen a few teams do, where you have Gressel at right back and you tell him, bomb forward as much as you can. You just have to come back and help. You tell McCann, don't bomb forward. You're going to sit back and you're going to turn into a three-man back line when Gressel goes. You tell Barco on the left side, we want you to be the dangerous player, stay up top as high as you can. It becomes a little bit of a tilted team. It's a very tough from a matchup issue for a lot of a lot of opposition teams. And it's really the only way to get your best players who are playing their best right now on the field in as big a numbers as you can.
0: I would want McCann on the field simply because he's the tallest player and can deal with Zatan on set pieces. Yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, and that's why I would play him at left back right now. Just because you can get him in the mix on set pieces. So,
0: so Tom's not going to beat anyone off the dribble right now. No. Uh, no, he, he can't, can't beat you in the air. Uh, and he can beat you from 20 to 30 yards.
1: L.A. LA Galaxy going forward are a very dangerous team. But if, if I'm talking to Martino this week, I'm looking at them defensively and I'm picking out who I want to pick on. And that's the outside backs right now. For me you know you look at, at felcher on the right side and Ashley Cole on the left side Cole has lost another step I think in this <laughs> offseason he'd already lost a couple and and felcher's just all over the place um, I feel like you can really hurt them defensively but you have to stay honest because of Zlatan and Ola Kamara up top and I, I wonder what's going to happen with Giovanni dos Santos in the long term for the galaxy
0: same problem that he's had everywhere he's gone just he's a guy without a position.
1: But now you got his brother on the team, and yeah. that could be a problem because Jonathan's been one of their best players.
0: Yeah, but G- Gio just he doesn't have a position. Nope. Um, what do you got coming up, Jason? Oh, uh,
1: big week on soccer down here. Lots of stuff. Uh, we start tomorrow, 9 o'clock in the morning. We go 9 to 11 every day, blogtalkradio.com slash soccer down here. We also have a Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash soccer down here. We're doing lots of extra content for you guys. We have a a show about Nashville SC. We have a show about the Charleston battery. we have a USL weekly. We have a soccer for good show looking at the soccer for social change elements. So thanks to everybody who's listening. It was great today to run into so many people at the tailgates who listen to the show and, and just always come out and support what we're doing. We really appreciate it.
0: That is good stuff. I hope that y'all listen to Jason's show. He and John and all those guys do a fantastic job. Um, this even is, though we
1: like Michael Bradley.
0: Even though you like Michael Bradley. <laughs> um, this is a little bit of a different game for me. Um, I'm going to probably leak. I think they're closing out here in a minute. After I post this, I'm going to go home and probably write a sidebar on Ezequiel Barco. I rarely do the sidebars after the game, but I'm going to do one on him. And then in the morning, I'll post the player ratings and the by the numbers and the man of the match, who I think is Brad Guzan in this mm, case, okay. uh, and not Al because uh, exam made a couple of huge saves in the first half.
1: I was tempted to go McCann. Uh,
0: McCann is a good choice, too. Um, and I probably won't do five observations tomorrow because uh, I'll probably also do a sidebar on Nagby's disallowed goal. Um, and as always, you can follow me on Twitter at DougRobertsonAJC. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, a podcast again at Southern Fried Soccer. Uh, I actually filmed a TV clip. Tonight for our partners at WSB, unless it was uneditable, which could be, Uh-oh. you might see that, uh, either on WSB's website or I'll post it on our Facebook page or on AJC.com's. Again, it, it may end up just being just, you know, not even watchable or uh-huh. listenable.
1: I'm setting the DVR.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and as I always say, I have a face and voice for print. Um... But anyway you can follow me on twitter at doug robertson ajc you can follow jason where
1: long shoe on twitter and soccer down here at soccer down here
0: and again atlanta united draws with nycfc 2-2 the five stripes are unbeaten in five and we'll take on los angeles next saturday at the stub hub center zlatan, zlatan 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 zlatan
1: welcome to zlatan zlatan The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Niggett, are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast,
0: subscribe to the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
1: And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody.
0: It means everything to me. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologeticallyATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.